Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 60 of the Recovery Lab podcast series. My name is Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. Uh, did I say it was episode 60? You did, in fact. It's got a nice round number. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. I yes. feel good about us. Yes, yes, yes. Very good, very good. Well, we're joined today by Julie Crutcher. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, thanks Look, for coming. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your, your life because I know it's it's not not an inconvenience to be here, so thank you. No, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. Um, I know very, very little about you, and I'm very, very excited to learn the little time that we've had talking here in the studio since you got here. Uh, I'm, I feel very positively about the fact that people are going to be helped uh, today by what you have to say, and I'm pretty eager to jump on into it. So, Drew, um, Let's uh, let's talk about a little bit about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. If you'll uh, do the do the honor for us, take it away. Um, so you just want me to start off like by yeah. telling my story? Okay. Sure, yeah. Okay, so um, I grew up here in the Jackson area. I'm the youngest of four girls. Um, my parents divorced when I was about six years old. Um, my dad um fell into addiction. And my mother worked two jobs and went to nursing school. Um, so me and my sisters were kind of, um, we didn't have a lot of, you know, parental guidance, I would say. Sure. Um, I was very rebellious. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, um, my mom sent me to Chamberlain Hunt, which is military boarding school. Um, and then... Um, I ran away um, when I got back from from there. I ran away. Me and my sister, um, who's three years older than me, we were we were gone for like three months. Um, and then when we when we um, were caught, we ended up um, choosing to go to this place called the Baptist Children's Village. And um, most people there were all in like DHS custody. Um, me and my sister and one other girl were the only people there that, like, had a fit parent, but, like, were there because of whatever reasons. Um, so. I went to treatment there. You did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it took me back. Yeah. And so, there, you know, there were only four cottages on one side that were A and D. I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah, they didn't do the treatment when I went there, um, but they had, um older like like young adults that lived there it was kind of like a um just to kind of help them like get on their feet and stuff because these are people who didn't have parents you know I got you so it was a, it was a good program but um I ended up um me and my sister moved back in with my mother and then I lived there for just a few months me and my mom did not really get along when I was a teenager and um she ended up sending me back there and do you mind because a lot of people deal mm -hmm. with and if you don't want to be super super yeah. open about this but was 
you said that you didn't really get along very well with your mom. Was there, was there like family trauma involved or what do you just guys, you guys just didn't mesh together or what was that? Was um, that relationship something that affected you negatively in the, in, in your life down the line? I would say, I mean, yeah, it did. Um, so I was a daddy's girl growing up mm-hmm. and my dad could do nothing wrong in my eyes. And so, um, the, the reason my parents got a divorce is my dad had an affair with my mom. And I remember when I was younger, like, telling my mom, like, well, you should have made it work. Like, you had kids. Like, you should have just made it work. And, like, I So just, there was no anger towards, towards your my dad? dad. I oh, blamed, really? It was all towards my... Yeah. Wow. And it was. Yeah. And then, you know, my mom did the best job she could do with, yeah. you know, everything that she had. She had four teenage girls. Um, it's a lot. She worked nights, and she worked she worked seven on, seven off, and on her seven off, she would work at a different hospital. So, um, you know, she was very, I think, like, her way of dealing with everything, she just, like, really worked, just worked all the time. And so, um, and I know she did, like, the best job she could do at sure. that time, but, like, you know, it really um, made it where my sisters and I, we didn't really have, like, parent at home you know like really in our day-to-day life we were kind of raising ourselves in a sense you know um so so back to the cross I mean the um Baptist Children's Village so I, I went back there and I lived there for a year and um I did a lot of therapy there like um Chris Huff, he was my our therapist yeah, there, and I, know Chris. I love Chris. Like yeah, yeah, he yeah. played such a big role in in my life as a teenager. But um, um, I ended up getting kicked out of the Baptist Children's Village, and so um, I went to this place called um, Our House. It was like a homeless shelter for teenagers, mm-hmm. and then um, my mom was gonna send me to Brentwood. Okay, and um. My dad had been in rehab at Brentwood. I knew how, like, strict they were. And I was like, I am not going to Brentwood. So um, I packed all my stuff and told them I was going to take a shower. And I ran away. And I was um, 15 at the time. And um, I was gone until I was an adult. And so during that time, um, I got pregnant with my first son, Dalton when I was 17 I had him when I was 17 and um I turned 18 like four months later um but I ended up reaching out to my mom when he was about three months and um went and saw my mom and she met Dalton and during the time that I was ran away I talked to my dad and I talked to my sisters um and so, Were you still in Jackson or just kind of? No, I was actually in Meridian. Okay. And, and then I moved, and then I went to Atlanta. And, um, and then I ended up coming back to Jackson. And then um, from there, I ended up moving to New Orleans when I was 19. And so um, I had my second son, Jalen, when I was 20. And I had him in New Orleans. And... When I was living in New Orleans, I was living like a fast, crazy life, and um, I dated this guy that was a lot older than me, and um, he was wealthy, and he had a lot of drugs, and 
Um, I would say, like, I really was dabbling in drugs as young as, like, 13. Um, but I would say, like, my real true addiction started, um, like, when I was in New Orleans. And um, I didn't realize that I was really addicted until um, I moved back to Jackson and um, realized how expensive my drug addiction really was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I ended up moving back to Mississippi. um, I think I was about 22 um, when I moved back to Mississippi. And um, I lived with my sister and then um, I, I went to, I enrolled in hair school for like the third time. And um, I worked at Tico's. And then, you know, I didn't really do, a, I didn't really know a lot of people here, like with, you know, that were like in the drug world at that time, because really most of my. Well, working was, in a restaurant's a pretty good place to meet them. Yes. But if you want it, like you can find it. And right. so. Um, at some point I, you know, was wanting to get high and so I seeked it out and, you know, started getting high. And then, um, when I was, let's see, Jalen was right before Jalen turned four, which that's my second son. Um, I actually got caught in Flowood with him with me, and I got a possession charge. Um, and so I went to jail, and um, my sister ended up getting Jalen and Dalton. And then um, Judge Broom was very, very tough with on me. He was like, you know, you fooled me once, but you will not fool me again. You will not get your kids back until, you know, you are sober. You have to pass a hair follicle test, all that. So you know he died recently. I know that makes me so sad. I re- he, he really I really was a loved nice him. Guy. Yeah. Um. So then, um, when I got out of jail, I ended up, you know, just going right back into that life, and um, that's when I would say I really started just like identifying as a drug addict because it was like. Um, in my mind, I remember feeling like, like I cannot not have, you know, my drug and my drug of choice was meth. And so, um, you're amongst friends here. Huh? You're amongst friends. Yes. here. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my drug of choice. And so I just really got deep into my addiction then. Um, and in April of two thousand and. 14 um my sister was murdered um in a murder suicide her husband was a cop and um he worked for Hines County and he also was like on the DEA like he was on the drug for- enforcement task or whatever and um he killed her and then killed himself damn i didn't know that i'm sorry it's mm-hmm. okay um so, and I remember, like, um, so, like, so, my, so, whenever my kids were w- living with my sister, I would get to see them um, once a week at the DHS place, and um, I would go in there to court, and I was just very, very honest with Judge Broom. Um, 
I mean, they would do a hair follicle test, and I would fail it, you know, and and I would just tell him, look, I'm sorry, I, I can't get it together, but please don't not let me see my children. Please let me see my kids. And he always continued to let me um, see my kids, you know, at the at the DHS place. So then when my sister died. Um, that was the sister that had your kid? No, my sister Amber. Okay. So that's, she's next to the youngest. Okay. Um, my sister Lindsay, which is next to the oldest, she's who had the boys. Okay. And so, um, and, and growing up, me and my sisters were always like really, really close. And, um, Lindsay had really strong boundaries with me and I get it because, you know, at this point she's putting my kids before me as her sister. So, um, she had really strong boundaries, but. When all of that happened, you know, all my family, like my sisters and my mom, they all kind of gathered at my, at Lindsay's house and I wasn't really welcome. I wasn't welcome there because my kids were there. She didn't even want me to know where she lived at the time. And I remember just feeling like, so like alone, you know, and just like, that's my sister too, you know, like I lost somebody too. And, um... Anyway, I ended up finding her house and showed up there. And so um, they ended up doing like an emergency hearing and doing a no contact order on me with with my boys. So, um, you know, we had the funeral and everything. And then um, and I was very, very deep in my addiction at, the, at that time. And um, I then got pregnant with um, my little boy, Julian. And so I was, I had gotten sober, um, and I was sober for like six months of my pregnancy. And then um, there was a fire that happened, and I burned my whole face, both of my hands, my arm, and I had to go in the hospital and get like surgery and all this stuff. And, um, during that time, um, the guy that I was with, he cheated on me with this other girl and he got this other girl pregnant. And, um, at that time I would say I was, um, I guess I was sober, but I wasn't really sober minded. Sure. Um, and like circumstances could, I could fall because of circumstances. And so, um, I fell back into my addiction then and, um, so the last three months of my pregnancy I was using. And so when I went to go have him in the hospital, um, I tested positive, he tested positive. And so I did not get to leave the hospital with him. And I remember just, that was probably like the darkest place that I've ever, ever been. Like, um. It's okay. No, I remember good. just like having such anxiety that would just like, like I would just like say cuss words, like just blurt it out because it was just like uncontrollable. And I was just, I, that was probably the darkest place I'd ever been. And just, I was just really, really deep in my addiction. And then about, um, like I didn't go to my court date because um, I was on drug court and I was running from drug court. Um, so 
I didn't go to my court date because I knew I was going to have to go to prison if I went to my court date. And so um, a few months later, they end up kicking my door in and I end up going, I go to prison. And so while I was in prison, I spent about 11 months in prison. And um, at so whenever I got out of prison, um, the only people that were really there to help me were people that I used with, you know. So my friend, um, she came and got me. And within like two hours, I was using. <laughs> and so, um, but she, I don't, like, like for me, even in my addiction, like I have to have like a level of comfort. Like I have to have like my makeup, my hair, my done my clothes I have to have like a stable place you know I can't just I'm not somebody who's like can just from room to room yeah like I need my stability and um that's hard to come by mm -hmm. especially with men yeah yeah and so I always had like um I would say like there was like three guys in my life that were always like there they would like you know help me pick me up whenever I needed it you know they would whatever, give me a car, let me stay at their house, you know, just help me, you know, kind of get on my feet. And so at that time, every single one of those people were either in rehab, prison, they, they weren't, they were like out of, out of reach. And I felt like that was God, like, you know, taking that away from me so that I would be like vulnerable, you know, and like and forced to look at the reality. Forced the to like, okay, I've to got, work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get my life together. So, um, my mom, I was talking to my mom and she said that, um, someone in her prayer group at church, um, was part of a, a ministry called Crossroads. And so she was like, you know, want me to go to Crossroads. And so one day I just called her and I was like, okay, mama, I, I'll go to Crossroads. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And, um, I'd only... It was like three weeks that I was messing up. Um, I got out on January the 7th, and this was on February the 14th. Is what when year I, was this? This was in 2016. Okay. All right. mm -hmm. So um, I, I um, called my mom, and so Miss Vicky, I talked to Miss Vicky to money. And she said, just sit tight. Um, I'm going to uh, see if I can get you a bed by Monday. And so I remember I was just kind of, I was kind of in, in like a deep depression. Like I didn't use that whole weekend. I just like slept and probably took like 10 showers a day. Just would get in the shower, get in the bed, you know, just back and forth. And it's then, a dark place. Mm -hmm, it was. And um, so then I um, ended up. Miss Vicky called me, or my mom called me that Monday morning and was like, hey, she has a bed. And um, where are you at? Let me come get you. So um, told my mom where I was at. She came to Jackson. She came and got me. And um, I went to Crossroads. Well, I was there for like a week, and then I had to go to my drug court court. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I go there, they... Um, sanctioned me to 30 days in jail so I did my 30 days in jail and then I got out and I did the program 
and um everybody was like miss like everybody at crossroads was a little worried about me they were scared that i was going to mess up because i'm a runner i always run from stuff and um so i remember she had moved people that had gotten there after me to the second phase house and made me do like my whole four months at the first phase and um I just bit my tongue and was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to show them. And so, um, I went, finally, when I went to the second house, um, I was there for a little while and I, um, ended up getting my, the job I'm working for, the people I'm working for now, which is Musi. And, um, I was, I started off working in the back. I thought you were going to show everybody your, Oh, yeah, I do have a music Your music mug. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I, I got a job there, and I was on drug court. I'd been doing the drug court for the last four months. And um, while I was in the second phase house, um, there was a lot of people relapsing. Because the way it was, they had just opened that house. And the way it was ran, it was like, you go from first phase, which is like a lot of rules. Super restricted. Super restricted to the second house that was. A little more you, freedom. You had like four rules. Be home at 11, go to church, no drugs, no boys in the house. And that was kind of it. And... um. I saw a lot of people relapse, and at first, I would kind of pull them aside and be like, hey, you can really tell that you're high. You know, I would try to help them, and then- Slow it down, girl. Yeah. You're doing too much. Yes. <laughs> and then they would do it again. Take that headlamp off. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. <laughs> there is yes. nothing on the carpet. No, really. It was crazy stuff. And so, finally, I just- told everybody in the house, I said, hey, look, look, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here in the second phase. Um, if you're getting high, like I'm telling Miss Vicky and I'm telling Renee, I was very transparent with everybody. Like, So it sounded like something clicked and you began to kind of take things seriously. Really? And you realized that, mm-hmm. hey, these people are not... Prison sucks. <laughs> yes. Right, right. That could be a good motivator there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but it sounds like you, like you began to uh, buy in shift. Yeah, to the to, program. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you, you went from, you know, just kind of complacent, like, oh, whatever. They're, you know, you could have just been like, whatever, these guys are getting high. I, I don't really care. But there was, there was some sort of conviction in your heart. Like, mm-hmm. hey, like. Well, you I, could have been like, where's mine? <laughs> yeah, you could have. Yeah. But it sounds like the light kind of started to flicker on in inside of you. It really time. did. Like, like when I decided to get sober, like when I called my mom that day, it was literally like God took it from me all at one time. Mm-hmm. And it was like no looking back. And then um, with me being on drug court, that really gave me accountability. Sure. And um, there's something that really resonated with me. Like when I was in at the phase one house class that Miss Vicky did, um, she explained our brains. Um, she said, think of your, you know, your brain being like 
a path and, and, and your choice is being water. And like for years you've made these bad choices and that path in your brain is so comfortable. Water flows down it. It's, it's a river, you know? And so when you start to make, you change your ways, that water flows down another, a new path. And it's very comfortable for the water to go back to the old path. Right. Water takes the path of least resistance. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but the longer you are living the, your new way and you, the water's going down this path, the old path starts to grow up and it's not as comfortable. The water starts flowing this way comfortable. And, um, that really, really like resonated with me. And I was like, I, I'm a visual kind yeah, of person. Yeah, that's a real good visual right there. And so that kind of clicked with me. And then, you know, the accountability of drug court, you know, drug testing twice a week, going to court, you know, um, once a month. You were on just, Rankin County Drug Court? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rankin and Madison County. Rankin. Yep. So, um, yeah, that really, really just clicked for me. And so when I was at this, we didn't have a house mom at the second house, you know, at that time. And so I kind of, by default, kind of stepped into the room. Kind of was like the house mom, you know, I set the alarm at night. Uh, um, and everybody knew like if, if you're high and I know it, I'm, um, I would call you out right there in front to your face, Mm -hmm. but I would also, you know, tell Ms. Vicky and it wasn't a secret, you know, like I called her. So, you know. It is what it is kind of thing. And and what I see with a lot of the women that, that go through crossroads or just just that are in addiction is they have this loy they have this thing of like, oh, I'm not snitching. I'm not, you know, like like they're gonna be labeled as a snitch or something. And it's like your loyalty, like when you decide to get sober, like your loyalty needs to be to the people that helped you get sober, like right you, you and should, to yourself. Yeah, and right. to there's yourself. a certain sense of yeah. val- like I'm I'm valuable enough mm-hmm. to risk being called a snitch or a right, yeah. right, right. Um. So anyway, so like, so while I was at Crossroads during that time, um. I really just kind of grew, you know, and, and really seeing people relapse really made me see addiction for what it was and made me be like, I do not want that, you know? And so, um, I ended up, um, ended up getting pregnant with Sophia, um, while I was at Crossroads. Oh, and another thing, my, so ultimately whenever I went, to rehab that like when I first went um I knew that like my sister had my two boys but with Julian like I knew that like if I didn't get my life together I would never you know see him again where was he he was with my cousin okay Mm -hmm. and so um I ended up they ended up um taking me to court to terminate my rights to Julian Uh uh-huh Okay. And so, um, everybody was trying to get me to just sign my rights over. And they thought like, oh, this, you know, if, if it's going to be my downfall, you know, it's going to, and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like I have to fight, you know? And so, um, whenever I went to court for that, um, it was nothing they could say about me that I didn't already say about myself. 
or own myself that I did. I know that um, I made choices that have really hard consequences and um, that, um, you know, and ultimately I, I did. My rights were terminated to, of him. And um, I'm at peace with it because I know that one day he will know me. And I know that I did everything I could do at that time to fight for him. And um, and that ultimately, you know, it was my choices that got me and him, where, you know, where we were at. So, um, so yeah, he's with my cousin. Um, and so, fast forward, um, I was... So I started working at Musi, you know, and then How did you get that job? So a girl at the at the house, she um was working there. Okay. And um if y'all don't know what Musi is. I did a little research when you told me about it this okay. morning. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, we make bath bombs, soaps, candles, salts, um hand cream, lotion, um face sheet mask, um we have a lot of beautiful things. Do you have a storefront in Canton or is it just like, is it? It's just our studio where okay. we make everything. All right, mm -hmm. cool, cool. And when I started there, uh, um, we only made bath bombs. Okay. So, um, and I've worked there for a little over seven years now. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. And. Um, Talk about stability. Having that is got to be yes. really, really helpful. Well, they really like. Wrap their arms around you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, they play a huge role in, in my life. Like, um, Leisha and Adam are, like, amazing to work for. I started off, you know, in the ballroom. And then they ended up giving me a promotion to, um, like, the front desk receptionist. Mm -hmm. And then I got another promotion as office manager and Adam's assistant. And now I am the purchasing manager and the office manager, and we're a small company, so I do a, I wear a lot of hats. But sure, that's yeah. that's my title. Um, but I mean, they really saw me for where I was and not for where I had been, yeah. you know. And they saw like potential in me and like really just took a chance with me. And um, not only like. Like, our, the girl that works at our front desk now, she came from Crossroads. Our um, receiving manager came from Crossroads. Our production manager came from Crossroads. Like, a lot of our people that are in leadership position are in recovery. That's awesome. So, um... It says a lot about the owners of the company. You know, it really, yes, really does. Yes. And they're like family, you know. Um, like, I would, I would consider them friends mm -hmm. and, and family. Um, and I feel very, very blessed that, that I work for them. Um, and actually also Miss Vicky the, at Crossroads, her, um, offices, we rent them our annex next door. And, um, so her girls are there, you know, right next door every right. day. That's awesome. So when we need extra hands, they'll send their girls over. And every time they have girls that are, graduating we we hire them so we That's have awesome. yeah it's it's a really good um um little collaboration that, that crossroads yeah, it and just UC. sounds like a just a real positive atmosphere mm -hmm. which is something that's really really helpful for 
those of us that are, you know, especially in early sobriety, that, that, that kind of stability can go, uh, it can do a lot for someone. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's awesome. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't, sorry, I completely knocked you off there. So you've been at Musi for a while and you're still at Crossroads. You're well, no, well, okay. I was at Crossroads and then I ended up, so you got pregnant with Sophie. I got pregnant with Sophia and I lived with, um, Sophia's, um, her dad was in prison. And so he went to prison about a month after I got pregnant with her and he was um, gone for like three years. Um, and Is this dur- the guy I know? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so during that time, um, I was really just focused on being a mom and working. Like that's all I did, you know. And um, and then I ended up moving in with Miss Vicky, and when Sophia was about a year and a half old. Um, cause I really felt, felt like I just needed my own kind of stability for Sophia. Sure. Um, and so I ended up living there and then, um, when COVID happened, um, my boys, so, so over the time, like when I first went to Crossroads, my sister would let me talk to them on the phone and then it was we could meet at a park, like a, you know, neutral place. And then it graduated to me getting to come to her house. Um, then it was like me come to her house every other weekend. Um, and then by the time I was living with Miss Vicky, when COVID hit, um, my boys would be at my house for one week, her house for one week. And so... Then one day she asked me, she said, um, so are you like, what, um, we're fixing a move. Um, what are your plans like with the boys, you know? And she had never really, um, like my sister, like she really stepped up. Like when, when I was in my shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, but she also, like, you know, was very close to my boys and very protective, you know. Um, and so when she asked me that, I was like, oh, well, you know, like, let, let me think about it. I told Miss Vicky, And Miss Vicky was like, Julie, I, I think you can do it. And I was like, I don't know. Like, with, you know, I was looking at my bills and my money. And she was like, I think you can do it. So, um, excuse me one moment. So I ended up um, looking for a place to live, and I was looking in the Flowood area. And I put in an application at another apartment. It was in Pearl. And I didn't really want to live in Pearl, but I was like, well, let's just see, you know, how it goes. Well, I, I was laying in the bed one night, and I was looking, and I found these apartments in Flowood, um, or Brandon 047. And so I filled out the application and paid the little fee. And it said, um, you know, are you a convicted felon? Um, If so, explain. And, of course, I explain a whole paragraph of, like, this is how long I've been sober. This is, you know. And 
give a bunch of references. And so um, the next day, I was very eager to, like, know. So I called him, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, um, the guy that normally shows the place, he's out of town. Um, uh, I can show you the place. How long, you know, can you meet me in, like, 30 minutes? And I was like, yeah. And then he sent me a text and was like, um, oh, wait, let me look over your application, and then I'll text you back. And so I went and told Miss Leisha. I was like, Miss Leisha, I'm so nervous. I need you to pray. And I, I called Miss Vicky, and I was like, I need you to be praying because I'm, I'm meeting this guy. And, you know, they asked me about being a convicted felon and all this. And so when I pulled up, um, the guy said, um, I see that you live with Vicky the Money. He said, my mom and her did prison ministry together <laughs> when I was a kid. And um, the the per- and he said, if you live with her, then you're good. And he said, the person that normally does the background check is on vacation, and the person that normally shows this place is on vacation. And he was like, you're good. And I was like, well, let me go to the bank and get you the deposit. <laughs> And so I really felt like that was like a God thing, you Wasn't know. It? Yeah. How could yeah. you not? And um and so I got my apartment and then um so Jalen, um so Dalton, my oldest son, always, you know, wanted to live with me, wanted to live with me. And so um Jalen had said he wanted to live with me but me not knowing he really was you know gonna say he wanted to live with Lindsay and so I found out from somebody and so I called Jalen and I just asked him I said you know do you do you want to live with Lindsay and he said yeah and I said okay well why didn't you tell me this and he said well he just you know he didn't tell me And so I said, well, that's fine. And I said, but I'm your mom, and I'm going to fight for you. And I said, you can, you know, I I get it, because he had lived with her since he was four. And um, so they lived with her for, like, seven years. But for, like, four of those years, I was sober, um, trying to get my life together. And I had another baby. And anyway, so, um, so... When we went to court, um, Judge Broom, you know, said, uh, he asked the boys, he said, you know, um, are y'all, I feel like I would be doing Dalton an injustice if I didn't let him go live with his mom. And so um, they gave me back um, Dalton, and then they said, Jalen, they were going to transition him come to my house every weekend and then they were going to meet in a couple of months and um and they told him to prepare that you know he was going to come back and live with me so um right before Christmas it was on December the 18th which is my sister who passed away it's her birthday um they called me and they told me that you know Jalen's coming back you know to live with me and so um and me and my sister were not on really good terms at that time. Um, I think that, you know, she, you know, she didn't realize how much she kind of wanted them to live with her. 
in a sense. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I'm their mom and I felt like, you know, I needed to fight for my kids and get them back. And that's, sure. you know, where they needed to be. So um, I ended up getting both of them back. And um, so for Christmas, Christmas fell on a Friday that year. And um, I had gotten all my kids ready for church and we were going to go to Word of Life. Well, I called my friend who went to Word of Life, and she said, oh, we're not having church today. We actually did Christmas church on Friday. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. So I was so I Googled uh, churches near me, you know, and um, Christway popped up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I looked at their page, and I was like, okay, I have a good feeling about this. Okay, okay, that's where we're going to go. So when I get to the church, um, they had all these teddy bears on the stage. And um, this lady stood up and she said, "Um, I just want to thank y'all for donating all these teddy bears. We do this ministry every year. Um, We donate all these teddy bears to the Flowood Police Department. So when a parent gets arrested or um, in a wreck or something to comfort the child. And when I got arrested seven years before, Jalen was with me, and he got a teddy bear. And so, like, for me, that was like, you know, my life had done full circle, you know. And um, it was like confirmation that I was where I needed to be. And um, I just love that church. Um, They're such a great, great church. And um, I actually spoke at their Christmas dinner that they do every year, and I brought the teddy bear that Jalen had, and um, it was a really, really, really cool moment that, you know, just to, it's just God's in everything, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right, so you guys, that was, when was that? That was, where are we at now here? That was in 20... 2021. Okay, mm-hmm. so what have you been up to since then? What's been going on? What's it like now in your life? Well, um, so so I have my two boys and mm-hmm. Sophia, and then um, I wasn't sure if I was going to share all this, but I will. So um, I ended up reconnecting with um, a guy I dated. Um, like right when I got arrested, so okay. twenty fifteen. Okay. Okay. So I ended up reconnecting with him, and um, no, that was that was twenty twenty that I got the kids back. The end of twenty twenty okay. is when it was. So um, I ended up reconnecting with him, um, and um, anyway, he got out. And he was in prison uh, since 2015. And so he got out, and um, we ended up getting married. And um, we have a little girl that is one year, that she's one. She just turned one September 26th. Um, well, he... He... Okay, he messed up a lot along the way, and I kind of picked up the pieces and kind of just, you know, really um, 
Held it down. Held it down, yeah. And so, um, and I put up with a lot more than really what I should have. Um, I think just because I relied on him financially, um, that I kind of just put up with more than what I should have. Um, But he ended up, I would say, in May um, is when he really, really kind of fell off, and he's been out of the picture since then. So, um, I just had to kind of figure out, you know, it was kind of hard with, uh, four kids, 17, 14, there's 17, 14, five and one. Um, <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's a lot. It is. That's an awful it lot. <laughs> it is. I've just had to come to the realization of like, you know what? My laundry just is not going to get folded. You yeah, know, it's yeah, just yeah. the season that I'm in and, um, because I work you know, a full-time job. Um, I come home and I have to cook and I have to give baths and do homework and then, you know, just do it all over. Um, but I just have to remember that like, you know, this is the season of life that I'm in and that like I can do it, you know? And, um, um, well, I, I don't know about you, but I've never grown when I was comfortable and things were easy. Mm-hmm. You know That's, what true. I mean? That's, That's true. That's true. Never, ever. Um, so I feel like what, what you're going through right now is, is doing nothing more than preparing you for the future. And, um, you're, you're in the thick of it now you're in the fire and Mm -hmm. God is kind of molding you and and forming you to be able to handle whatever's next, Mm -hmm. um, with dignity and grace. And again, like, like I said, you know, growing and learning and, and, um, you know, moving the the conversation forward as far as who you are as a person is mm-hmm. not easy. And you have a tremendous amount on your plate right now. Uh, and honestly, how you're not pulling out your hair left and right is quite amazing to me because that's, I don't know if I, I, I honestly don't know if I could do what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. but I do know that in my heart that God's not going to put anything on your plate that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, what you're doing now and how you're handling yourself now. Um, a, a lot of people couldn't do that. Um, so I would, I would encourage you to no matter what, I don't think that you're ever going to give up. That's not what I'm saying at all. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but just remember that, you know, this is temporary. It's not mm-hmm. always going to be like this. And if we stay sober, um, we, we, we really can't fail. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard, you know, and for anybody listening, if you're sober curious, you know, don't ever think that just because you're sober, things are going to be easy. It's, that's not the case at all, but, right. um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of knocking it out of the park right now, um, as far as not giving up and, and taking care of the needs of your family and doing what you got to do in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I would also, you know, I would encourage you, this is not always, like I said, this is temporary. This is the season that you're in now. And God, everything happens for a reason, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. That's right. For me in my life, when things are really, really difficult, I, I try to run to those difficult things with compassion and love, because I know that what's going on right now, I'm learning from that. I'm growing from that. And I'm grateful for that, even though it may really suck right now, and, mm-hmm. you know, from time to time. So I want to applaud you for, you know, sticking with it and not giving up 
I think the only way that we can fail is if we give up, period. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, I really prayed. Um, you know, I, when it came down to it, I just was like, I, I basically, you know, was like, you have to go to rehab or you, you can't be here. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, um, when you give someone an ultimatum like that, you have to live with whatever they choose. Right. And he chose the other life, which is, yeah. you know. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, um, and and I really prayed because I I was praying like, God, please, like, just reveal the truth to me, like, so I can break these soul ties, you know, because I'm such a forgiving person and um, I get over stuff, like, really fast. And so, um, and, you know, he was kept trying to, like, suck me back in and try to come, you know, home and stuff and I just prayed about it, and then, you know, things were revealed to me that I was, like, able to say, okay, I'm done. You know, like, I can I can break these ties. And then I was praying, so so I share my story um, often with the girls next door sure. at Crossroads. Whenever they get a new group, you know, I kind of, I'll share my story um, to just try to get, give them hope. Like, you know, like, I'm telling you, like, if, if, Y'all knew me 10 years ago. You, you wouldn't believe the right. person I am now. Like, I've been there, and I was in the deepest addiction, and I've done every drug that there is to do. And, you know, like, I've I've been in the darkest places. So if, if I can do it, I mean, anybody can do it. And I know everybody says that probably that's in recovery because yeah. we've all been there. Um, but I also prayed. I was, like, I was praying that, you know, um, like, I could use my story. God could use me in other ways to help other people. And then, like, literally a week later, I get a text from you asking me to come on this podcast. And I was like, that's God, you know? Yeah, 100%. So, um, yes. And, and like, all of this, like, everything is literally God that did it. You know, God's hand has, like, been on my life, like, tremendously so like if i didn't have god like i don't know how i would do it but it'd be a lot harder than it mm -hmm. is right now I yes and i've that. had so many people like <laughs> help like my church has been so good to me my um you know people at my work um my bosses you know like just everybody has just made sure that like i'm okay and i'm good and and like i'm in i'm in such a better place now um you know, than I was when I was in that really, it was, it was very toxic. So I feel like, you know what, like I would rather be by myself and like have my kids and just be in chaos than to be in the toxic, you know, relationship that it, that it right. was. It sounds like you're in a pretty awesome place right now. And also, I mean, I'm just going to do a little shameless business work right here real quick, Drew. It sounds like you and your bosses need to come in here and do a podcast every week and promote the new products that you've got. Talk about what you've got going on. Like, give that some serious thought. Take that to them. Like, and then you could sell ads and, and have that as more income for, for the business. Lots of things, lots of businesses come in here and, and promote their their um, things that they've got going on. So, you know. Yes, I would love, like, Leisha. She's done a few podcasts. She's actually talked about starting a podcast. Um, oh, isn't it? Here you go. 
She mm. um, he's a podcast she, producer. He does like okay. yeah, fifteen of them. Yeah. She is a lovely, lovely lady, and um, I don't know if y'all ever if y'all know much about her, but y'all can look her up on UC. She has a few videos on there. Yeah, I saw um, videos. But um, that's why I'm talking has, about this right now. <laughs> she has a passion for um people yeah. and and um women and just vulnerable vulnerable people. Like she has a passion to like help people. And, um, and then Adam, he's just so great. He's, he's like a brother that I never had. Um, he is, um, just, he's really good too. And then them two together are just amazing. And like, I couldn't work for like a better, um, company. Like they're so flexible and so understanding and like for, 10 months um I brought my baby to work with me and like um a few days a week and um yeah so they are like just the greatest people and I would I would love for them to come on here yeah it sounds like what a fantastic story yeah no doubt tenacity (laughs) that's a perfect word for this I mean really uh (laughs) you're certainly tenacious I'll give that to you yeah yeah there's no doubt about that like you were like there's there's winners and there's losers losers and um you are you are absolutely a winner um oh, thank you the fact that you're still standing after all of this and you're willing to talk about it and you're willing to use your past to to as as something that's profitable to you to be able to help other people we mm-hmm. talk about that a lot and and um you know that the the goal um, for me at least, and I certainly can't speak for Drew, but we've had this discussion in the past. The goal for me is to get to a point where all of the crap that happened in my past, mm-hmm. the bad, awful, awful crap today, it is profitable to me because I can use mm-hmm. that. Weaponize it. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, but th- those things don't define me anymore. That's the, right. the negative stuff that happened, mm-hmm. the, the jails, the going to jail for robbing, you know, stealing a car and, you know, doing the stuff that silly children do like me. Um, and silly 35 year old. Right. Yeah. Um, those things don't, uh, define me. Those things have formed me to be the, who the the man that I am today. And Mm -hmm. today as a result of the, the learning from my mistakes and trusting God's process in my life, I'm, I'm genuinely grateful for the person that I am today. And Mm -hmm. that's only because I, I made a decision to, trust God and to, to start this path of recovery mm-hmm. and, and let God work in my life. You know, I was walking away from him my whole entire using yes. career. Um, so today our, our pasts are profitable to us because mm-hmm. we can talk about our past. We can talk about the, the mistakes and the, the, the missteps that we made um, through our lives and, and, and be able to use that to be able to help someone else who may be struggling with the same and thing. And we can be for other people what some people were for us. Right, yeah. right. That's what it's that all help about. That helping hand, eliminate the path. Right, right. Well, I can see the clock up there. We're now on out of time, but I get to ask my two favorite questions. Aren't you ready? Okay. What do you do poorly in your recovery? In my recovery? Well, I was thinking, you said what I do poorly. I have really bad patience. Okay. Um but I'm trying to, like, what do you mean? Give me what, an example. What uh, what part of the typical recovery practice do you do poorly? Um, give me an example. Like? Like, 
I don't reach out to people enough, or okay. I don't read my morning meditation. Hey, and if you don't have anything, we're no, not. I do. I do actually. I do. Pull it out of you. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I You're not leaving yet. Um, Confess. Okay, I would say that. Um, I. You know, I I, I deal. I still am very very closely connected with Miss Vicky, who has. So much grace and mercy. Um, I would say that I sometimes am a little like hardcore when it comes to um, like people messing up. Um, I'm not saying that nobody's like allowed to like relapse or mess Julie up. Julie the but, hammer. But no, but I guess I just Julie feel like, the judger. Well, I just feel like, you know, just you can be like, you're strong enough. Like you can do it. And it's like, it's a choice. And a lot of people, I guess, when people like give excuses, I just am kind of. I ain't hearing it. I'm not hearing it. Shut it down. Shut it down. Do That's what you choice. know is right. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. You so know. you could say what you do poorly is you don't practice enough compassion. Is that mm-hmm. it? Okay. I guess same. I'm kind of like thing very to blunt. Not <laughs> I love that. Jeez. I'm just very blunt and I'm just very like, I tell people exactly like it is. And I, and I just, um, at the end of the day, it's a choice. And I, I know that some people struggle uh, and I, I don't, I guess I don't understand that because for me, when, when my addiction was taken from me, it was taken from me all at once. It wasn't a struggle. I didn't have a second thought in the back of my head of like wanting to use. It was like, this is my goal. And, and like I had one major goal and I had a lot of little goals to get to that goal. And then when I get to that goal, I make another major goal and I just keep working towards it. Um, like right now, my next goal is to, to buy a house, there you, you know? Go. And so like, there I just always have, you know, goals and I just um, work towards them. Yeah. Tenacious. I love that. Okay. Here's the next question. Go what on. do you do well in your recovery? Um, Accountability, accountability, and um, and just speaking my truth. Um, you know, not that long ago, I, I shared my story um, with some girls, and I shared my part about with Julian, and um, she came to me afterwards and said, um, for a long time, she hadn't even shared with Miss Vicky that she had tested positive when she had her baby. She was so, like, ashamed of that. And she said, you know, that encouraged her. And um, if I could just give, like, advice to anybody, like, if you're if you're just honest and blunt and raw, like, um, like if, if you are just raw with everything and, and you just own everything in your life, like that's how you get past things. I'm and that's that. how you yeah, grow. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's how your past this becomes profitable. Yeah. You take accountability. Like, I, I, I Cause think, there's some power in that. Cause yes. if it's my fault that I got this, maybe I can not do something right. and avoid this kind of consequence. Cause I that's can learning from a, your past. I can come up with a thousand reasons to, Go get high. You know what I mean? Everybody. There's no doubt. It's amazing. So it's a choice, you know? And um, if I could just say one more thing. You can Um, say it. um, You know, with addiction, you, it takes, in a moment, you can lose everything. 
your your kids, your house, your car, your your freedom, your just everything. It only takes one moment, but to regain it back, mm-hmm. it takes a very long time and hard work. But there it is. There is so much that you can gain from recovery. And, and just grow as a person. And so if, if you're in your addiction, like it's it's never too late and you're never too deep in your addiction to to turn your life around. Right. And don't get discouraged by what if you're listening, don't get discouraged about what she just said, that it can take a long time to rebuild. Um, you will you will immediately feel better once you get off the dope yes. or the alcohol or whatever your vice may be. What you're saying is it can take time to rebuild everything to the point where it was before, but that work is worth it. And you're going to hit milestones. It's rewarding. You're going to hit milestones almost immediately as you get on that path. So don't get discouraged. Oh, I'm so far down. It's going to take so much work. And right now I don't honestly feel like I can put any additional work into my life. No, no, that's that's all BS. Just trust the process. Yes. Take that that one little step that's in front of you. Big things are built by tiny, tiny decisions Mm -hmm. and tiny, tiny movements forward. All you have to focus on is what's directly in front of you. One of the greatest things that I've ever heard, and I wish this was me, but when we have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, what are we doing? We're taking a piss all over right now. So just stay in the now, stay where your two feet are and worry about focus. I won't say worry about Focus on what's directly in front of you and finding a solution to the issues that are directly in front of you. If you can do that and Mm -hmm. and God sees that willingness, he's going to meet you exactly where you are. He's going to take you by the hand and he's going to look at you directly in the eyes and say, let's do this. Yeah. And everything you look like, you lose so much to addiction, but you gain so much more from sobriety. Tenfold. It's incredible. You really do. Look, I know it's hard to have four kids and a job especially with a one-year-old. But when you have a little more free time, you and Kimberly really are a lot alike. Like, I appreciate y'all's tenacity and your belief systems are similar. Yes. Y'all be thick as thieves. Oh, yeah, I need to get with her and go have lunch or something. Absolutely. And then also, you know, I I feel pretty confident that I'll be seeing you back here with your podcast, with your company. I think that that's going to... I got a feeling. I just got a feeling, Drew. You ever have those Everybody feelings? needs a podcast. Everybody needs a everybody podcast. Because everybody has something yeah. to say. That's uh-huh. right. That's right. And I'll help you every step of the way. I'll help you from the beginning of the production he side. He can do it to, all. I He's do it wizard. all. All you guys have to do is walk in for one hour a week and I and take talk. it from there. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. I'm going to talk to Alicia. Do that. Do that. Yes. Awesome. All right, everybody. I guess we're out. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you so much for really. having me. Thank you. Thank you.